Welcome back to the Raw Take for CEOs, where we tackle today's issues and how they impact your business. And this is hosted by me, Dan. And Steven. We'll give you our raw take on what's important for your business. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Raw Take for CEOs. And May is the month of marketing here. And of course, uh, you saw Corey and John, two of our marketing champions. Uh, with Aster last, last week. week. Yeah, with Aster, with the customer. If you haven't and, checked it out, check out last week's uh, episode. It's all around uh, one of our awesome customers, Frog and Toad, detailing their marketing the marketing story yeah pretty interesting it was good nice job guys steve's not on today either so he's not i think he's abandoning us he's not the marketing guy anyways uh so um first things first so i'm kind of stoked last night we did our first uh clubhouse uh anybody doesn't know clubhouse billion dollar valuation it's uh i guess it's another social media platform um with a, a different twist. I'll let Corey kind of talk a little bit about Clubhouse and what it is. Um, but anyways, we, we did a, um, the theme of our Clubhouse room was hyperinflation and how it impacts startups. You know, very timely, we talk about inflation as impacting operating businesses, manufacturing businesses, hardware, inventory intensive businesses, if you will. But the reality is inventory, uh, inventory inflation creeps up in all different places and um, especially in HR intensive companies, whether it is means takes longer lead times to hire employees, find employees, uh, or having to pay more. Um, you know, one of the key takeaways around managing inflation in a human capital intensive business was pay for performance, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we've talked, talked about it a lot. Yeah, we talked about it a lot. And of course, paying for performance uh, starts with really good, solid, transparent conversations, expectations with your team. But mm-hmm. more importantly, back to the finance and accounting, it really starts with um, good planning, right? You got a good, solid annual operating plan. So that was kind of fun. Uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about Clubhouse, geek out to that a little bit? I, I, I actually... Don't think, tell me you don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think Clubhouse is like a great transition into this conversation because why has Clubhouse been successful? Let me start there before talking about the platform itself. And what is successful? Billion dollar valuation? The, revenue? I don't know. It, you can define success in many we'll, ways, we'll right? leave that for another. Yeah, psych session on that. Mm-hmm. Um, why is Clubhouse successful? Clubhouse is basically an audio-only platform, right? We think of like uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, like all these other like tr- more, I'll call it, quote, traditional um, uh, social media platforms. And it's there's uh, visual feeds, there's audio, there's um, uh, videos, pictures, uh, an assortment, right? Mm-hmm. And Clubhouse has kind of distilled it down to one medium and that one medium being audio, right? And that's um, not so crazy that they've done so well if we think about the past few years and our just consumer shift to audio, right? Think of Alexa, right? Mm-hmm. Our phones, talking to our phones, right? It's all about audio why it's quick where we are such like um as much as we try and deny it we we're multitaskers right yeah for better for worse and so audio provides an opportunity for people to listen to things while driving or doing emails or whatever it is right and so long story short clubhouse has blown up over the past uh, few months maybe a year roughly six months because it provides uh rooms basically many communities based on different values, focuses, et cetera, um, where people can have an engaging conversation with people they've never met. That's one of the things I think in line with TikTok, where TikTok is blown up, 
recently is because the organic reach to it, right? Mm -hmm. You're able to connect with an audience that is organic. Yeah. So uh, yesterday we did the clubhouse event with our friends, uh, Tax Taker, mm -hmm. one of our uh, close R&D tax credit. Which we do have um, a podcast on. Yes, uh, that's right. Ari has been on. Uh, we also had uh, our friends from First Republic, um, although I can't, I guess we're not able to associate the individual with the company for some reason for security purposes. But anyways, Robert Hughes, he was a great moderator. And of course, uh, lastly, one of our good friends, uh, Steve Walsh, who's also been on our podcast. He was on the series around startups in April. Uh, Steve has invested in over 50 uh, startups and he's a very close advisor to startups. Um, so yeah, no, it was kind of fun. Uh, but I will tell you, it was, it was a little intense at first because you, you got to like go on mute. You have to be able to, um, and of course, Robert is always like, he would just throw, you know, questions at you and you weren't expecting them. And you're like, okay, all right, I need to, I need to be able to geek out to economic stuff right now. Yes, inflation, inflation. Yes, it does exist. It's really bad. It's hidden right now. It's, uh, you know, maybe the headline numbers are showing it, but anyways, it was kind of fun. And uh, we had some audience members that actually popped in and uh, it was funny, uh, this, uh, this young man uh, went by the uh, handle wizard. And of course he's an inflation trader, right? So out of all people to, to actually ask questions. And of course, privately, uh, the guys were the team, uh, Tax Taker and uh, uh, Robert and Steve were texting me like, you're going toe to toe with this guy wizard. What's going on? You sound very confident. Like this. Of course I'm very confident. So anyways, it was, uh, it was kind of an experience. We're actually looking forward to doing more of that. This conversation around Clubhouse kind of fits in nicely with May marketing month mm -hmm. because this unintentional journey that we've had as a company, never mind as a service provider, it was grounded. Yes, you were you were pivotal in uh, helping us in the last five six years kind of rethink ourselves, personal branding, and uh, quote unquote putting yourself out there. So that's grounded in risk-taking, right? So when you create an environment uh, that you uh, embrace uh, team members to take risks uh, without retaliation, I think that's been a tagline of ours on an HR side for since day one. So we have always taken risks and experimented with cutting edge stuff in marketing. So today is going to be about, so what are the tools that we use in marketing? This list has totally taken me back because I am like, I, I am, I'm in my books. I'm a, a frugal kind of guy when it comes to like spending. And I'm realizing, holy crap, we actually spent a ton of money on all of these platforms, Corey. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whose back this is coming off. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, they, they so. all serve a unique, a very unique need. And I think that's something that um, I, I want to talk about today is like, not just getting these platforms, not just being excited by the next like shiny, cool platform solely because it's selling you on blowing up your marketing, but solving a unique need in your marketing strategy. Right. I still do want to know whose credit card this is all going in under. I'm though. blaming John. It must be John. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. All of these tools, I actually, I, I actually live in these tools too. I enjoy, I'm a data geek. I enjoy understanding the customer journey from lead gen all the way through the uh, engagement uh, agreement process. So um, I think yeah, that's where it starts. I'm excited though. for this, right? We're a finance as a service company. We're here talking about marketing for the month of May, right? But marketing plays a, a pivotal role in some a conversation that we have often with our customers. Like how do you 
why are we talking about marketing? Like, how does that play into this? Like, how should we be thinking about marketing? Yeah, no, that's a good, uh, that's actually a good segue. You know, every company, you know, if you think you can like boil the ocean and you think you can like be great at all of these different things, like you're kidding yourself, you're, you're spreading yourself way too thin. When we look at our core competencies in our, in our company, and by the way, I would not have articulated this like this way five years ago, but as we have become, uh, or as we have professionalized, institutionalized some of these core competencies. And so for our company, for example, we have three. Uh, obviously the financial management, right? Mm -hmm. We're selling this stuff to like customers, whether it's accounting, finance, financial management, tax, right? This is, this has to, you have to be an expert at that. Two, we're still a human capital business. So yeah. you gotta be great at HR. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not the best. We have a way, you know, we have a long ways to go, but we're pretty damn good at the HR piece. We have very low attrition, knock on wood. Um, you know, we are able to retain employees and we're able to create uh, career roadmaps for employees. Um, and we've uh, kind of figured out this whole pay for performance for the last three years. The other core competency of our business, and this is part of that unintentional uh, journey has been marketing. Yeah. Like we never saw ourselves as a marketing firm or as a marketing It was exciting channel. to us, but it, it was exciting. Like you did a great job getting, you know, nurturing the, the culture around this thing of marketing. Um, I love sales, been a sales guy my whole life. Um, but marketing for me has been very foreign, right? Marketing is technical. It is, uh, it, it is all about data. Uh, it is, there is a creative piece, right? Um, and so uh, when I say it is a core competency, it's because I don't think today, if you don't embrace digital marketing, you're probably going to have a hard time like growing. If the days of like blocking and tackling and shaking hands and post pandemic, pre pandemic, it doesn't matter anymore. Like the world has changed. Well, never mind that, but like, um, it's kind of funny to like think about this, but people used to just, when you Google things, right, it may just have come up alphabetically, right? And so you just mm -hmm. go down that list, right? Or the, the phone book, right? I'm looking for plumbers. Also just the directories. Yeah, like you're looking for, through the phone book and you're looking at the A's and you're just calling, 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 right? They're networking and that's no longer how things work. You have to reinvent yourself. And I think one of the ways, like when we talk about unintentional, if I look back and try and like find that, like how or that why, you are, you, you referenced before and you are like, you are the data mindset, right? So you, you look at things through the lens of data and trying to analyze that data, right? And I think maybe that was our foray, like that was our unintentional trigger by looking at the data on some of our social things, on some of our web statistics, right? That forced us to pause and rethink how we did things, right? right? Our internal joke is tweak SEO, yep. keep tweaking SEO. And so Corey, to that point, um, the way things become core competencies, you know, there has to be systems, yep. processes and people behind it. And our motto here is, yeah, we risk, uh, you know, we take risks, we experiment, but at the end of the day, make it boring again, whether it's accounting, FP&A, tax, mm -hmm. or even marketing, make it boring again. You know, you got to bring it back. You, you sort of like take a step forward, test it out. If it works, great, but bring it back to the tech stack, figure out how it fits into our processes, into our systems, make sure our people know how to use it, make sure our people know how to analyze that data and then tweak, yep. right? If you can't tweak off of that data, get rid of that system. It's not worth it. And know what you're trying to measure against, right? I think that that's a yes. problem that most people have is like they jump on this hamster wheel of constantly trying to like 
get that next platform or get that next, like get that next rush without really knowing what they're measuring. They're just trying to get the next customer. Or in. worse yet, just spending money on copyright and creating and creating more content and more. Yes, more content is good, but you need to be targeted with that content. So I'm excited to talk about some of these tools and how they fit into it. Um, but focusing on cadence, the tools and the data, right? Cadence is repeat, 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 make sure it's set in stone that we're doing it, uh, staying on top of it, recurring tools. These are the tools like we either experiment with them and then we bring them into our tech stack or they, uh, you know, that we replace them, drop them, right? We drop them. Um, there's, a, a, you know, we've done this a million times, right? Whether it was, you look at it, we're a big HubSpot shop, but we used to use Active Campaign. I'm sure Active Campaign is still good, but it wasn't good enough for us. And HubSpot today solves different needs, solves a lot of different needs. And then the data, it's like, don't take the data at face value. Like, let's yeah. not just buy these systems, stare at them, you know, five people in a room and staring at the data and be like, okay, good move on. Like we, you have to dig into that data because you can't take it at face value. And that's a, you know, we're trying to almost make marketing people into analysts. And mm -hmm. that's, a, that is actually a, a difficult um, transition for, for people. So we'll look at what we are hiring a new marketing analyst. Yes, and what is our next week? What is her background? What is her major? I don't know. I didn't interview her. <laughs> I didn't even look at her resume, man. Economics. She went to Brown University. I know that. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's economics. Economics. That's not like, the, that's not the first uh, thing you'd think of, yeah. but data, right? The analysis. Yeah. Hi, Emlyn. Welcome next week. Also, let's not forget, even Talia on our FPNA team, she's an econometrics major, yeah. right? She's not an accountant. She's not an analyst, right? Mm -hmm. But if you've got that right aptitude, and of course, the attitude to, to actually learn, mm -hmm. but if you've got that good data analytical mindset, you know, we can stick you anywhere in this organization. Just because you have a business major right. does not mean you can get out of college and run a business. That's right. No, but no, no. So back to, back to the point today. Today is all about our choice, mm -hmm. our tech stack that we've decided to leverage internally yep. and also leverage to some of our customers. So, so with analytics, mm -hmm. ask this so let's kind of to you. Over, overview. Mm -hmm. what, how did we, you know, how do we, how do we bucket all of these? So, you know, let's take a step back, right? Because let's go back to this like uh, pillar, the, right? Where we have inbound marketing, we've got the outbound sales, we've got advertising and promotion, right? And then above that, we always look at it. Okay. And analytics, the purpose of analytics is to inform these decision-making. So um, with all these tools, talk about how you categorize them. So right now it's pretty much just like, it comes down to the analytics, like you talked about. Mm -hmm. We have sales and then within sales and marketing, it's really, it's a mix between inbound and outbound to, to kind of use the common nomenclature, right? Mm -hmm. Between emails, it could be between um, texting, right? So it's one thing that we've kind of explored. Um, uh, ads, uh, sales navigator, um, uh, LinkedIn sales navigator, excuse email me, campaigns. And email campaigns and all the, there's a different tools that plug into those. So there's mm -hmm. a, there's, we can go down many layers. Um, and then we have social, yep. which is another grouping, which social there's not just, we're not just talking about like LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera. Some of the other things that we're talking about are things like Canva, right? So that's a tool we use, which is basically just, um, to mock up social images, mm -hmm. right? But we Very fit that powerful. into our social bucket, right? Um, and then lastly is kind of website. Um, we use a platform, uh, Duda. Um, we've, we historically were a WordPress platform. Uh, can talk all day about that. 
but mm-hmm. um, then just like website, web web presence, sleepless nights. So let's start with analytics. Yep. So what problem are we trying to solve for when we talk about analytics, and what and why some of these tools that uh, we've landed on to help us inform decision making? When I look at analytics. Probably the first place I think about checking is probably a tool we use, SEMrush. Yep. I'll start there. Um, why SEMrush? And we're using the enterprise version of yep. SEMrush, right? Which is actually awesome because uh, of it's time series. amazing. Yep. Can't recommend them enough. Um, and great support behind there. Um, but SEMrush, because it plugs into our different platforms, right? It plugs into our social media, it plugs into our uh, Google Analytics, our search console, mm-hmm. and it kind of provides a hub to consolidate a lot of this data. And so I'll go to SEMrush, not only to monitor, hey, how many visitors or how many um, how many followers, what's our growth, right? But what SEMrush provides you the ability to do is kind of dive into some of that data and say, okay, our traffic is going up. Let's dive in. What day did it go up, right, last week? Um, okay, what content did we put out that day? Mm-hmm. Um, where did these people come from? What was the source, right? Long story short, it provides a hub to dig into data and really find the causality behind why there are trends, up or down. Yeah. And let's also not forget, we try to predict causality, right? Mm-hmm. In, other, in other words, um, let's not just create content. Let's not just create like another case study, another blog, yes. but let's create, a, let's create a piece of content and make it amazing. But let's create it because uh, the uh, people who are the visitors, site visitors who are mm-hmm. coming to our site and that want to buy, that are ready and willing to purchase our services, they want to learn more about something. So uh, being able to view what keywords that uh, visitors are, are actually using, searching for to come to us, mm-hmm. and then building or creating content around the keywords. So there are some keywords that are like a land grab, yep. right? Uh, it has a low difficulty, it's, uh, it's a powerful keyword, it's relevant to us. Okay, it's a land grab. How can we throw it, uh, little, as little money at it as possible, create some content to increase our SEO for that particular keyword? Other keywords are sort of like, not a land grab, but you're trying to protect your franchise value. Yep. So if you Google say uh, business modeling, Growth Lab is like in, on first page of, um, of uh, Google, you want to protect that. So how do you protect that, right? You got to like, there are certain little tricks you can do. So yeah, I agree with you. SEMrush is powerful, uh, both to understand sort of descriptive of who's coming, but also how can we inform um, our marketing spend? You know, how, how can we better target? Our I think it's spend? that common theme of like, I want to talk about two points real quickly before we move on is like, um, ask yourself what's the common theme or phrase like ask yourself why five times to get to the bottom of it right like uh um, visitors went up last week why went up on wednesday great why what content did we post right like keep asking yourself why and you'll you'll end up finding some cool data um but then another thing i want to just touch on real quickly is i hear a lot of people say well i'm not selling t-shirts online right i'm not selling something online that people can buy online I don't care how many visitors I have, right? So maybe they don't care, maybe they do care, but they don't put much emphasis on it, right? And I'd ask the question to you is like, how are you attracting customers then, right? Because these days of like solely going back to networking or shaking hands, as you said, is gone. You have to put some more emphasis on that. And consumers, whether business, B2B, B2C, mm-hmm. buyers are so well-informed today. Yeah. Because they do a lot of, their research. I mean, when was the last time you went out and 
to buy a car that you know you didn't do any online research you literally just went to the lot to kick tires right yeah. nobody does that anymore mm -hmm. so i like google analytics i google analytics is for me it's a, it's a quirky system. It's not very user-friendly. It's a lot there. But it's a lot there. But what I enjoy about it is the ability to segregate the flow of visitors, you know, how they're coming to your website. Where are they landing? What are the next steps? Um, I love looking at like the bounce rate, the time spent on, on the site. What other pages did they go to afterwards? Because, you know, do I really care that there's a, you know, we've got some PPP loan content out there that is, um, you know, it's stale, right? Let's face it, we're all kind of PPP'd out. Um, but it has like a 95% bounce rate, which is, you know, would be really, really bad if that was our homepage. But why am I going to go and spend marketing dollars to improve the bounce rate? Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of visitors that go there. Um, but we ask ourselves, are the visitors that are going to this site, like it worked 12 months ago yep. and we acquired customers because of that. Um, but are the customers, are these leads that are coming to that site today, are they really in our customer segment? And the answer is, I would say 99% no. And so it doesn't make sense to like peel back the onion or come up with different strategies and stuff. We'd rather focus on other pages that are more relevant to the types of customers we're looking for. So Google Analytics is a very powerful tool. It's, it's like uh, granddaddy's tool versus SEMrush, which is like a millennial tool. But I still geek down to Google. And Analytics. there's some, there are some things that I will say, like Google Analytics has a little bit more in depth about certain yeah. things. So like they're not, they're not replaceable. Right. Um, another, th and you talked about um, understanding who that person was on the page mm -hmm. and kind of some of the things they did, whether it's bounce rates and some things like that. One of the other tools that we use that's pretty cool, um, most people don't realize, is um, uh, say um, Crazy Egg. Yes. Crazy Egg, Hotjar, there's a couple of these out so there. So we used to use Hotjar, now we're using Crazy Egg. I like it too, right? Mm -hmm. Heat you, mapping. Tell me, yes, tell me more. Uh, so heat mapping, basically you install it on your website, allows you to understand um, a few things. A, pretty much how far down the page people scroll, and then B, where's their mouse going? And that's fascinating insight, right? Because just because people are navigating to one page, right? So for us, people go to the homepage and they often go to the about us page, mm -hmm. right? So they want to learn more about our team. But in between that, where their mouse goes, where they scroll, that's some very valuable, insightful information. I agree. And Google Analytics helps inform. So you can't spend all day on Hotjar or Crazy Egg on every single page. I mean, it, you, it just doesn't capture enough time series type of information, right? Um, so you have to be able to pinpoint where am I going to focus my uh, analytics. Um, and so I use Google Analytics to inform, okay, I want to see the behavior of the visitor on this page. Because if I am noticing or we're noticing, for example, uh, they go to that second fold and they bounce, uh, then it's like, okay, what can we do in this second fold? You know, if 50% are bouncing right at that second fold, can we, can we slap around. on a video, right? Yeah. Can we move things around? Um, can we get, um, can, can we use um, some pop-ups, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Hello bar and, or, or uh, HubSpot. Uh, so yeah, those, those little like tweaks, like it helps and we're, mm -hmm. we're seeing it. So, um, and yeah. with, with that, I want to kind of, um, I'm going to jump for a minute. Mm -hmm. We installed this tool, this platform on our website a few weeks ago, it's called video ask, and yep. it is all about, um, check it out. It's actually pretty cool. It helps to inform people coming to your website about different things, right? For us, it's, 
it allows users to interact with us, engage with us on a video basis, right? Mm -hmm. It was pretty interesting because when we looked at it, we installed it, we found that if we're solely looking at the metrics of video ask, it was not successful. No, you might as well have just killed it, save 50 bucks a month. However, what did we find? Well, we found that through Crazy Egg or Hotjar, we realized, hey, there's actually a lot of people interacting with this video. They're just not taking that neck, that second step on the video that gets recorded in the analytics of the video ask platform. But what we noticed is, as a matter of fact, it was quite interesting, like halfway down the page, this is exactly why we, we used this particular video. Because actually, if you remember, the original video was all the way at the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait a minute, why are we doing there where 50% of the folks are bouncing halfway through? So we moved the video to that second fold mm-hmm. and we noticed a lot more interaction to the point where the numbers started to go up further down the page. Keeps it kept. We found it kept people engaged. They went to other pages. But the theme that I was trying to get across there was also that it's like you can't just take the analytics in that sole platform for granted and not do anything with it and not do anything with it, right? Um, so that's, peel back the onion. Peel back the onion, right? Basic, you know, one on one for analytics. Peel back that onion. Cool. Let's talk about outbound sales. I enjoy outbound sales. Let's talk a little bit about that. What are the tools? So one of the main things that we use is Growbots. Um, And that's from our friend at uh, Michael Lee at Reconciling. He was a big proponent of that. Yep. And we use Growbots for cold email outreach, basically. We were frankly a bit skeptical about it at first, but we gave it a try and it's been quite successful. It allows us to basically find and vet, uh, not vet, but find individuals, companies, and provides us a platform to reach out to them. Right. Now, one of the things is, uh, there's two folds, I think, to being successful at outbound email campaign, cold email campaigns. It is good customer segmentation, right? Mm-hmm. And then tailoring the copyright to that customer segmentation and weaving in some formality, but keeping it somewhat casual. Um, not You don't want to make it feel spammy, but at the same time, you want it to be informative so that at the end of the day, what do you care about in sales? One thing get that phone call, right? Get the, That's, meeting. get the meeting, get the meeting. My old boss used to say, first job out of college, just again, just get the meeting. Uh, the rest will work it out. Um, so love Growbots. Let's talk about the next one that we start, uh, we've been using. I'm not sure I want to share. I want to keep this. <laughs> sure. I think they go by uh, a different name now. now too. Yeah, it's uh, Lift Certain. Mm-hmm. So Lift Certain, we recently started using, uh, it's, it's still new for us. But it basically gives a second layer of detail in terms of who the people visiting our website are. Um, what is some of their persona? Um, what are some of the things that they are in market for? And so in market, you've probably heard about if you run um, Google ads. Uh, it's basically what are people searching for on Google? Right? They may be in market for uh, CPA services. Mm-hmm. Random example here, right? But that would give us the inclination to reach out to them regarding our tax services, right? right? Um, so it provides another level of clarity in terms of who's coming to the page. Yeah, and there is a level of like, there is a veil there uh, around privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, you're gonna get yourself a list of your site, you know, people that have visited your site or, or folks, leads that are searching for high level keywords, right? Um, not the underlying string um, of what they're intent is right their current intent um i think is i think it's a you know an interesting concept uh we're still we're still, still like learning it learning it um and there is a few months but it's not a, it 
go, I want to go back to the theme of like, these things are not silver bullets, right? It's like no. they're, it's not going to provide you with a list of, if Dan comes to Growth Lab, if you come to Growth Lab, we're not going to get a list of your search history. Like that's, that's not what we're talking about here. But if Dan is in market for a new CPA, hypothetically, that will, that will trigger us, right? So there's, there, it's staying within compliance of some of the security regulations and um, following Google's I think protocol. It, I think it's, a, it's fascinating. Um, obviously, the third one on the sales side, and it's not really sales, it kind of crosses marketing and other things, it's HubSpot. So let's talk a little bit about HubSpot. And if I remember, I think it was like two and a half years ago, we made, made that leap of faith Yeah. because it is also not a silver bullet. They sell themselves on that, right? So, but they're they're amazing. Um, so HubSpot for us, we kind of went into it with a little bit more of the email focus mindset, right? We were using uh, we started off with Mailchimp, I believe. We moved to Active Campaign, and the purpose of moving to Active Campaign was it kind of created some more um, some more robust campaign mm-hmm. uh, email campaigns, um, timelines, etc. Pausing, filtering, splitting, etc. We want to take it up a notch. We went to HubSpot, started with the emails. And from there, we've kind of grown with them over the past two years to now uh, use them for the CRM, the sales, sales. pipeline, the deals, marketing. Uh, the marketing. So we use them to actually push some of our content onto social media. Right. Um, and what's beautiful about them is kind of in line with SEMrush is they kind of connect the dots between a couple of things, right? Between some of our marketing efforts and some of our sales efforts. They kind of help to cross that bridge. Yeah, and it's also they're also a great transition um, throughout the sales pipeline yeah. into contracts and pricing. So we begin to accumulate um, lead or potential customer history yeah. uh, during that process, uh, whether it's notes. Uh, of course, now we've, we're also using Firefly to help transcribe. So we're not, so we don't need two people on a phone call taking notes, mm-hmm. you know, cause some of the stuff we talk about, you start building tribal knowledge, like customer centric knowledge that's not being memorialized anywhere. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, the customer signs that engagement agreement and the customer, you know, kind of expects you to know what they talked about, right? During the, uh, so I love the fact that, uh, and Firefly is just one of them. There's several out there that they connect uh, there's a, a native API to HubSpot and it works nicely. So um, what else would you say that is important on the sales side? Obviously, we Google ads, LinkedIn ads. Google ads, LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads. Personally, we're not, we don't use those as much. Uh, we've dabbled in them. Um, I think we are kind of focused on some other efforts right now. It um, They are successful um, if there's urgency, basically is what we kind of, urgency and the type of business you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think of legal firms for uh, yeah, repairs, 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 plumbing, electricians. Yeah. Well, even legal firms though, is a little bit, a little bit hard, yeah. right? Um, is kind of where I was going, but yeah, uh, a plumber, right? Uh, quick plumber in Rhode Island. <laughs> Great ad, right? And you're going to, if you search that, you're going to find a ton of them. But for us, um, we are focused more on that organic. So it's really, don't think of Google ads, these ads as once again, your silver bullet. Yeah. Now we should talk about retargeting because retargeting, retargeting is a strategy and it does go through the advertising platforms of these social media companies yep. where Great point. whether it is uh, leads that are warm, mm-hmm. leads that uh, we've had at least one touch point with, yep. uh, even site visitors, people who have visited the website, 
uh, you've got these pixels, we've got, you know, other lists that we, you know, we kind of have, there's some transparency there. We do use retargeting strategies for warm leads. Yes, for people that have already um, found out about us. Yeah. Um, but that's, once again, that's on a platform by platform basis. So that's not something that's going to work with Google and, uh, but it will with say social media platforms, right? Yeah, and we've dabbled with creating affinity groups in Google and yeah, we just haven't felt um, the ROI was there, or at least we didn't have the budget or the resources to, um, or, you know, thinly spread that uh, yeah. effort. <clears throat> uh, one thing I do want to bring up that has less to do with marketing, but still in that sales is um, inside sales. Right. Something that companies have shied away from, uh, you know, like who wants to make cold calls, who wants to deal with the gatekeepers, the executive admins. Right. But let's face it, you know, uh, telephones have been probably the most underutilized um, method to connect with leads in the last year because, you know, mm -hmm. nobody's in the office. And so the phones kind of get redirected. So that's another thing that we are doubling down on is inside sales. Yep. So let's talk uh, lastly here, uh, social. social. Social, so we are big believers in social with a caveat to that. Mm -hmm. um, between cl uh, Clubhouse, I'll say, I'll group that in there, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Why do we use those? Why are we big believers in those? Because once again, it goes back to our strategy about content, right? Whether it's a blog, social media is your avenue to reach your audience, mm -hmm. right? We are posting some of our new content, some rehashing, some old content, but it's really just a distribution platform. It's for just us. another distribution platform because, you know, you go back to the journey is, yeah, everybody, when you start a business, first thing you get is the logo. Second thing is the website, you know, the name, obviously. And then you have a Facebook page, you got your LinkedIn page. Um, and then you realize, you know, after all of your close friends um, are getting sort of sick of your posts, the only people that are liking your posts are like your mom, mm -hmm. you know, your grandmother. And that's not, gonna, that's not who you're trying to reach, right? Yeah. In that first six months, that's great. But beyond that, you need to be more strategic with your social platform because you can't, you, you can't do everything, right? So you got to pick and choose. Yeah, think of it as a distribution platform. I think that's like, that's the key here because it's not connecting with people on your LinkedIn, that's gr that's great. Or maybe Instagram, right? Like that's, that's great, right? Build up your following, but that's like, that's not gonna get you necessarily more customers. It's not just about that next follower. Think of it as a distribution platform because pretty much no matter what type of business you are in, for the most part, I'm making a blanket statement here. Yep. Um, what you want them to do is actually go back to your website. Mm -hmm. I, we have never, maybe once, can think on um, our hands, like, someone reached out to us on Instagram and been, been like, hey, can we work with you guys, right? Like that doesn't happen, right? No, unless it's a direct. Unless we direct message direct them media. first, right? And so think of it as a distribution platform because you want to get content on there that's going to drive people back to your website mm -hmm. where then you, you can use the analytics tools to understand yeah. who they are, what they're doing. I think one we would also add on the social is the YouTube channel. You know, we did experiment with that about 12 months ago. Yep. And I would say it's been pretty successful. You know, some of the videos have uh, truly popped. Um, are we going to be the 100,000 million uh, views? No, we're not. That's not our intent here. Nope. Our intent uh, with marketing is to shorten that sales lead, uh, sales conversion uh, cycle and to grab more leads. The other tool I wanted to talk about is Wide Whale, the plug for mm -hmm. one of our customers. Uh, Wide Whale, because, you know, let's face it, one of the great 
one of the nice things um, about Google is the Google reviews and um, getting more Google reviews from customers is also a great way to increase your SEO. And Wide Whale kind of helps you with that. You close the, you know, let's say you sell your product, you close your deal in a few, few days later, a few months later, you're going to get interactions from Wide Whale. So that's also a good plug for uh, improving SEO. So uh, customers are just a, a, a great way to leverage to uh, increase SEO. Yeah. And that kind of, uh, you know, coming to the end here, we talked a little bit about the text mess messaging that I still kind of put that out in the uh, risk experimenting bucket. Sure. Not boring yet. Again, we don't really have a lot of cadence on that. We're still trying to figure out how that works. Um, and then obviously we talked about our website, having gone from WordPress to Duda, you were a proponent of that. You want to talk a little bit about yeah, Duda and why? Yeah, with that. Um, yeah, we were big WordPress uh maybe not fans, but that's kind of the, the, the standard in mm -hmm. some way, right? Um, so we originally had a outside firm build us a WordPress site, um, came in uh, a few years later, redesigned that, um, it reiterated on our WordPress um, uh, existence. And what we found was with our trend of trying to analyze the data, and kind of improve these different things and knowing who our consumers are. We were adding like plugins, we're doing different adjustments, we're adding a lot of blogs, we're adding a lot of content to the site. And we found like every 24, 36 hours, the website would be down or be broken or um, mobile would look funky. Yeah. You just can't be having that. No. And so we don't have the resources to manage. And let's face it, the average small business, 99% of any, any business under 30, $40 million, you know, to be, to have, to have folks on staff that can actually manage. Constant, and it's not, it's one thing if you're doing it every three months. Yeah. It's another thing if you're doing it every other day. Yeah. It's not a fun experience. No, it was not. And so there's certain times and places for WordPress. I'm not trying to knock them, but um, we use a platform Duda, D-U-D-A. I think it's .co, yes. I remember. Um, awesome platform. Think of it as more of that drag and drop style of WordPress, mm -hmm. but they have a lot of um, internal SEO capabilities. Um, I know Google's coming out with a new algorithm that uh, adjusts how um, websites are being uh, ranked by them. Duda takes all of that internally and they kind of readjust our website for us. So they're an awesome platform for that. They also include the hosting as part of it, yeah. the hosting, the SSL certificate, a bunch of these different items um, that you want to have. They take care of that and it's drag and drop. So there's, you don't need a tech background. You don't need to know how to code things. There's um, limitations in course. terms of design yeah. and stuff. But if you can, you know, your customers, aren't coming, your customers aren't coming to you and buying from you because the design of your website. Like a Craigslist. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So yeah. um, that's a little bit of the journey here. Yep. This was fun. Uh, we do use a lot of these tools, but we use them again through the lens of, you know, processes, systems, people, yep. right? It's cadence. It's the rigor that comes out of this in order to tweak SEO, to manage uh, decision-making, better decision-making. Yeah. Um, but we still do love the, we, you know, we still love to take risks and experiment, mm -hmm. but that cannot be our marketing strategy. Our marketing has to be boring again. Mm -hmm. So it's the hamster wheel versus the evergreen, yeah. right? Agreed. So. All right, buddy. Cool. Nice job. That's fun. Okay, Steve, that was good. That's a wrap for this week's raw take. That was great. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week in the raw take for CEOs.